0: Good morning. Ah. There we go. So, aren't you glad that God has patience with us? Um, This morning, as we're thinking about the second letter of hope, which is O, obedience in faith. I have to look at my own life and think, "Man, if God just smited me every time I didn't obey His word, I'd have been smited so many times I wouldn't be anything left of me." But that's not how he really functions. Um, instead, what it seems through his word is that when we disobey Him, He lets us experience the consequences of our actions, meaning... Even though we think those actions are going to result in something better because we're smarter than God, and our actions are, of course, brilliant, uh, those actions have consequences. And because they have consequences, uh, he just kind of lets those play out in our life. But one thing I want to consider also before we get too far into this is that we're talking about something that we can't do We're talking about something that God does through us, through his Holy Spirit. So um, when we are set apart by God, he gives us his Holy Spirit. When he gives us his Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to do what his word tells us to do, to apply his word to our life. So I'm going to take a look real quick here at Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created not perfect we had to be saved by grace that wasn't our own doing that was his doing so that we don't boast It's not about me doing what's right it's about him doing what's right through me and creating me for a purpose but we are his workmanship created for good works that we would walk in them so this beautiful picture that we couldn't do it, but we were created for it as a vessel so that he could do it through us. Does that make sense? There's nothing in this world that is more exciting and more amazing than following the design that God has given you for every part of your life. It doesn't really matter how scary or big the task he calls you to. It just matters that you're ready and willing to obey him. Uh, Over and over and over in my life, I've seen that my ways aren't very good and that his ways are very, very good. And when I start to follow his ways, I have peace, I have joy, uh, I, I have purpose. I see people around me encouraged and changed and growing. And when I'm following my own way, it's all about me, myself, and my own desires which lead to depression and frustration and sin. So I would, I would challenge you this morning as we start out that there is nothing more exciting, nothing more thrilling. You can't go to an amusement park and have it be more exciting than going out and sharing the gospel on a college campus. It's not going to happen. You're going to be terrified walking up first sharing the gospel with them, let me tell you. or going on a mission trip or going and just living out day by day the design that He gave us in your family, in your home. It's not going to happen because there's an emptiness with all the artificially created excitements of this world it's like oh that was great now is there a bigger roller coaster? you know that that was a great experience now is there something a little bit more it's just there's an emptiness whereas when we are serving the Lord it's just like you're full you're just like I want more of that because that was amazing and scary but I'll do it again and so so that is where we're going the, the letters of hope are hearing with faith that we heard last week from Al, obedience by faith, prayer in faith, and then the, the enjoyment of God. And I'm, I'm going to say that all of these go together hand in hand. We need to have faith to have obedience. We can't have obedience apart from faith because we aren't capable in of ourselves of obeying. So this progression, I'm going to tell you where we're going before we go there. Don't fill in your notes already, okay? Jeez. It's okay. I don't care if you fill them. Progression is first, when we obey God, we show him true love. Then when we obey God, we're blessed by him. We we see this blessing that comes through the obedience. And then in obedience comes a love for God's design. And then that love spills out into a deep worship of God. So who is God and why should we obey him? Uh, One of my favorite quotes over time that that I've grown to love from A.W. Tozer is, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us? Because your understanding of who God is is going to affect your ability to hear Him, how you obey Him, how you pray, and ultimately your enjoyment of Him. Everything that makes up you is going to be changed by how accurately you know who God is. Where are we going to find out who God is? The Bible. The Bible. It's... He has given us everything we need. In fact, one one scripture you should all probably memorize just to wash your mind with it, because in this world we're constantly bombarded with. We need the the wisdom of the scientists, and we need the wisdom of the psychologists, and we need all these. but let, let me look at this one is not in the notes. Sorry, but Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There's nothing missing from this Bible for every good work that you can ever do. So you don't need to add anything to it and you absolutely don't want to take any away from it. It is sufficient. So, what does God look like to me? Uh, I'm glad you asked. Um, So, when I think about God, I think about before anything ever was, before there was any matter, before there was any time, there was God, and He was eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father, before anything existed... Preordained all the things that were going to exist. He designed and knew you and everything that would lead up to you existing and every moment of every person, every part of time, and every particle. Okay, then Jesus the Son comes along and He physically creates everything. Right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You Remember that passage? He creates everything, right? So Jesus, the Son, the visible form of God, creates everything that you see in six literal days. That is an incredible amount of power. You can create stuff from energy. God has unlimited energy. He creates everything. And then we see him bring in man, and he designs man in such a way where man is allowed to reject him or obey him. And then we see that in his design, he allows people throughout all of history to follow him and to not follow him. And we start to understand that later, much, much later, that without the existence of people who reject God, the people who are going to follow God, couldn't worship him fully. They wouldn't know him fully. They wouldn't know how to love him. They wouldn't know how to worship him because without hatred, you don't know what love is very well. Without people rejecting God, you don't understand what it looks like to follow God. Without injustice, you don't understand what true, perfect justice looks like. And so it... It is truly impossible to accomplish what God the Father's design was without allowing people to reject Him. So we have this world that we've been given, and we are part of this huge design, which literally is being held together by God. The gravity that we experience is God's physical presence holding us together. We can measure him and he's absolutely perfectly consistent. We're like, that's science. It is science. Science is just simply measuring God. And so when I think of that God and then I think of things like he is perfectly loving, perfectly patient, perfectly set apart, holy. He's perfectly just. His wrath is perfect. All of his attributes are perfect and they all go together perfectly. And then I think, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. He is omniscient, he knows everything. He, uh, he has unlimited power. Um, you just start to understand him better, and then when I have a bad day, I can say, well, God, you didn't think of this, you know? Or I can say, oh, wow. Uh, God designed this day with this weight that I'm supposed to be under so that I could grow and learn and appreciate him more. And this awful circumstance is the result of sin that we cause by rejecting him, but yet he is still going to work through that for our purposes. So you could see that as you start to spend a lot of time thinking about God and what his word says about him, we start to form a better informed structure of how to approach life in every area. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This morning, I want to consider God's providence in all things. Through that lens, let's come to a biblical understanding of why we're going to love obeying God. So, we have this incredible God who created everything and holds everything together. I didn't even talk about the third person, which is the Holy Spirit, who is the one who gives you a new heart and gives you the ability to follow Him and does about a bazillion things behind the scenes. He is the helper. Um, and you have this magnificent unity going on in the Godhead that we get to experience uh, through him as we get to know him and I'm I'm just going to encourage you that all of the things that you're going to experience in your life are part of his providence and uh, And that that is a a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, our first point, not my will. When we obey God, we show him true love. It's not my will, but yours be done. You remember who said that? Jesus. So when Jesus created everything, he was doing it according to the will of the Father. When he died on the cross for our sins and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he clearly says, not my will, but yours be done. And that is our calling as followers of Christ to do the same thing. But we're following Christ. So not my will, but yours be done. Uh, John 14 23, Jesus answers, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We must keep his word. Obeying his calling on your life is love. Every Christian has a calling. I remember uh, back when Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. And uh, I'm not going to go real deep into this, but he said, they, uh, in John 21:15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" He said to them, see, he said to him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." And he said, "Feed my lambs." Right? And he does that three times and he uses different types of love. We all have a calling. If you are a Christian and you have been given a new heart by the Holy Spirit and you are His, you have a calling. Uh, it, it is, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not you. Um, I would like to help you figure it out, though. Um, we are the body of Christ. We each have been given a spiritual gifting to be used in the context of the church. And we are all called to do that. Sometimes we think of pastors or preachers or teachers, they have callings, but then we think everybody else is just, they just show up and go home. That's not how it works in the church that is healthy. We're a body. We have different members that do different things. So each of us, not just the apostles, not just The people in the Bible, are not just pastors, have a calling. Every single person has a calling. We cannot love God without also loving each other. 1 John 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Simple enough. Uh, it's there are people that are like I just love God, but I don't like people very much, you know. And that that sounds fun, but it's not possible. We are image bearers of God. Even the least of us is still bearing the image of God. And we need to look at people rightly. Uh, Andrew is going to be in eternity with. With, no matter what, he is an eternal being, right? He's either going to be with me, or he's not going to be with me, but he's going to be eternal, and so I have to love him absolutely, as an eternal being, right? Andy is eternal; he's not just my nephew. Uh, sorry to pick on you guys, but, um, but we, every person, from the greatest to the least is eternal and is an image bearer of God. And so I can't just discount a person because of blah, blah, blah. They annoy me. They're wonderful. You know, I I can't exalt one and discount the next because God created them with a purpose and they're eternal. So I need to love people if I'm going to love God. Point number two, every spiritual blessing. When we obey God, we are blessed by God. We are blessed by God with every spiritual blessing, okay? At the time of obedience, at the time, obedience can be like standing under a weight. Um, Lots of us like to work out sometimes, right? You do not get stronger by going into the gym and looking at the weights and talking to people, taking a shower and going home. You get stronger by going into the gym and you stand under weights and you you bear the weights and and you work harder and harder and harder and then you get stronger. And then you, you're you're bearing weights, right? In James, we we're just talking about this in our men's Bible study. We we're going through James 1. And uh, verse twelve: Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love Him. It's this concept of of trials, right? Trials teach us a lot. That's how we grow. And so. As we, as we experience trials, we don't need to just try to say, God, take this trial away from me. We want to bear the trial, find out, okay, what am I supposed to be learning in this trial? How am I gonna grow in this trial? How, how am I gonna become more like you through this? Because each, uh, like, like we talked about at the beginning, each moment of every day, Every part of history, of ever, every being, every bird, every animal, is created with God's mind, with God's design in, in mind. So, as we're going through trials, they are not random; they are God's preordained plan for your day. And so, as you're going through them, don't don't be angry about them. Just say, you know. Okay, God, what are you doing now? And the bigger the trial, sometimes I think, okay, God, oh boy, this is, this is outside of my control, so let me just trust you a little bit more, and what exactly do you want me to do with this one? And that's usually when he shifts my direction some way or another. So, God's, God works through everything in every moment for those who obey him. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to, to those who are called according to his purpose right that's that is going to be one of your anchor scrip- scriptures for this whole idea this concept god causes all things how many things so there's no things that are not included to work together for the good of those who love God. When you love God, that is, that is shown to him by obedience, right? That's how we love God. To those who are called, are we called? Yeah, according to his purpose. So even the things of, of the worst of the worst people in the world that have ever existed, in all of the worst circumstances, you can, you're like, no, but what if this happened? Uh, yeah, that can't work together for the good. Well, God is much bigger than we might think He is, so maybe we're not looking at Him accurately when we think those things, right? Maybe we've created an idol or a, a God for ourselves that isn't actually the one that's in Scripture. So it's really important what we think about God because when we read this, in order to believe it, we need to understand that God maybe is a little bit bigger than we can imagine and a bit bit more powerful, a bit more like, I'm finite. I can describe him and my understanding is going to be about this big and his actual detail is going to be bigger than this universe. And I, I've just, I'm going to fall short, but I do have his scripture. So I can tell quite a bit about him just based off of what he has told us, right? So point number three, life is so much better. In obedience comes love for God's design. In obedience comes love for God's design. I can tell you, um, I've personally experienced this a lot in my life, where I have done my design, and it was not very pleasant, and I've done God's design, uh, and it was amazing. And then you kind of go back and forth, because God graciously lets us fail after we've succeeded sometimes. Um, I told you, I think last time I preached, I really didn't get roles correctly when I started my marriage, and then we, then we came to understand how to do roles correctly. There's a lot of areas in my life where, where I chose to do things the right way, and God just blessed that period of time. Um, and then there's been times where I Uh, either momentarily fall into sin that, that, you know, you fall off the, the side of the road and, you know, hopefully somebody helps you get right back on the road or you get right back on the road. And then there's times when you're just defiantly over time just going in the wrong direction and it just starts to wear out and ruin all different parts of your life. And those natural consequences start to eat you up and destroy you. So, um... But when we are following him, life is so much better. God has specifically designed order in the church, in marriage, in the home, in community, and ultimately the principles that we require in order to live for him. The order of the church and the home, we see in Ephesians 5, 23, the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church. What does that mean? Uh... Christ is the head of the church. Who leads the church will be like the eldership, according to the Bible. the, the elders collectively. It's not like uh, one man is just like I'm going to go where I want to go. No, Christ is the head of the church. So you have elders who meet together and they they submit to one another in the fear of the Lord and they submit to Scripture. And they pray, and they submit to the will of the Holy Spirit as they pray, and together they make decisions that they believe are unified under what Christ would want for the church. In the same way, in our homes, it's the job, it's a very weighty and heavy job, but if you are a husband, you don't have a choice. You are going to lead your home as a bad leader or a good leader. But when you get to the judgment, you're going to be judged on your leadership. And did you follow Christ and his will for your home? Did you shepherd your children? In Ephesians 6, it's going to tell you the main command there is for fathers to train up their children to follow the Lord, that shepherding is only ever commanded to fathers. Again, The leader of the home is the father. So, like, when I started out and I wasn't very good at leading and I just like, ah, Kendra, you could lead, that's fine. Um, It didn't didn't go very well, but um, if I just continue down that path forever, uh, I'm still going to be responsible for my kids and for my wife and for discipling my home. And it... Did I love my wife the way that Christ loved the church? All those things are going to fall on me. And so my calling, if I ever get married, is immediately in a leadership role. I don't have any choice. Um, So I'd encourage you to look at the order God has given us in our home, in our church, and let yourself fall under that authority structure. Uh, the authority in God's economy is Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the head of everything. Then you have the eldership of the church that's leading the church, and then you have the church submitting to one another. But really, the authorities of the president and the rulers comes underneath the church. And when they ask the church to do something that is contrary to God's word, which it, hopefully it won't become increasingly more and more, but it may, Uh, then the church has to still obey God first because he is ultimately the authority. So we look at his authority and we understand his authority and then we live under it. We say, what is your structure? And let's obey that structure. Okay, let's see. There you go. Uh, Titus the the order of Church Leadership, Titus one five. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Churches in the New Testament were just meeting in different different uh, uh, towns, right? and they weren't really called churches until. Timothy went back and appointed elders over all of them. Then then there were churches. Um, So that's the the structure that God made for churches. And then the design of our local church body, Romans 12, 4 through 6. Um, As in one body we had many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's what I was talking about earlier. Every single person in the church has a calling and a gifting that's given by God. Let's use them. There's, if you are a healthy member of a church and you are called... For the purpose of God. Um, it's not. Your purpose is not to check off a box that says, I went to church, and then go home, and that's all. Um, that that is common, unfortunately. But either you are not his and you're just fooling yourself, or you're taking The piece of the body that you're supposed to be providing and ripping it out of context of the church and saying, it's okay for uh, this church to not have an arm because they've got another arm and they've got legs, so they're fine. And so then that church is dysfunctional because it needs all the parts. So you are a part if you're his and this is your church. All right. All right getting there. Point four. Love spills out into a deep worship of God. Love spills out into a deep worship of God. So if love results in worship, God's design, both in this life and internal life, is overwhelming. As we Learn to love God because as we're obeying his design, we realize that life is incredibly meaningful and fulfilling. We have peace knowing that our purpose here doesn't have to do with just a moment and then we're dead. Our purpose here has to do with eternal things, working with eternal beings for eternal rewards and for eternal designs that God has given to us to serve each other and love each other, and everything we do now matters, whereas before it was just meaningless, it spills into worship, right? Uh, John and I were talking about this in Ephesians 1, so I thought I'd just read through that. Maybe I'll try to look it up so I can't have those other pieces. Um, One second here. Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. <laughs> that I'd <to> be blameless. <laughs> In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed. In him with a view to an administration Uh-oh. you're not with me um, add administration suitable to the full of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ Jesus, in the heavens, things upon the earth, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed when I read through Ephesians 1, because he He loves us so much that he designed for us to be rescued when we didn't deserve it and changed and caused to be right with him. And uh, so I would just challenge you this week as we're, we're looking at obedience to not consider it a burden to obey God. And it is not uh, a contest where we're earning something. It's not something... Obviously, Christ did the work on the cross for our sin. That is not why we obey, so that we can earn favor with God. There is no earning of favor with God. But there is an incredible blessing when we do obey Him. It is our priority at Hope Church to obey Christ. It's so exciting and terrifying to place our faith fully in God and trust. When we obey him, we will be blessed by the God who rules over everything. I mean, I guess I get a little overwhelmed thinking how tiny I am and why would he care about me at all in the grand scheme of things. Uh I'm a scurvy little spider. No. <laughs> yeah, movie reference there. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, so, which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You could do nothing more satisfying than to obey God in everything. Father, I thank you for this morning, I thank you for your word, I thank you that you have so much patience with me that even when I don't obey you, you just allow me to walk through that and learn from it and uh, use my brothers and sisters to put me back on the path when it's necessary i pray that you would just allow us to be a church that loves your word and loves to obey you and sees the value and the pleasure that it is that you've designed for us to live in obedience and i pray that you would just uh go on and continue to help us to grow in you help us to know your word so that we know who you are better that we would know uh, the attributes uh, of who you are and know your character and understand the parts where we can actually come alongside and learn to be like you. Um, And I just pray that we would be in all of the parts that we can't be like. We can't be everywhere. We can't know everything. But we can worship you for those things. And I just pray that you continue to help us to grow in you in Jesus' name. Amen. The stand as we worship.
1: And spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of boundless grace On me. then came the morning that sealed the promise
2: He is our living hope, God who is everything Mike just described him to be, infinite God, amazing, beyond us, and yet extremely personal, our hope that we live with every day. Thank you, Mike, for bringing the word this morning. I want to walk in obedience to him. He is our hope. There is no other. Lord Jesus, I pray that that would be us as a church, as families. Lord, you know we come from a place of brokenness where everything's not right. But in you, you make things right. That's your promise. Lord, help us to obey, to trust you. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, there's one announcement that I forgot that's very important. Um, If you are a parent of youth, this coming Wednesday night is parent night. Come with your kids. We've got things specially planned to have parents there. This is parent night. Wednesday night, um, if you have youth, come with your kids. We've got stuff for you. Um, I love you, church. Go in the Lord this week.